This is Susan Gaston. Welcome to a special world outreach episode of the Valley Avon podcast. Today, we're going to be hearing from Alan Matamoros with Partners, and he'll be talking about the work of Arabs for the Arabs, a church planting network in the Middle East that has planted hundreds of churches and led thousands of Muslims to Christ. So get ready to be blessed as you hear about how God is working through our partners in some very difficult parts of the world. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, good morning. <laughs> what a pleasure to be with you today. Now, you work with Arabs for the Arabs. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about their ministry? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I am overseeing the, the North Africa Middle East region for Partners International, and AFTA is one of the most important and remarkable ministries where we have um, a wonderful relationship, a fruitful relationship, reaching out Muslims. Okay. So, Middle East. There's nothing good in the news about the Middle East. Um, And so people tend to think of it as, you know, God's not working there. Mm -hmm. Well, I I like to see always that Jesus has never left the Arab world, or the Middle East. He has been working there with or without us. When I was a young missionary, I thought that I was going to resolve or to fix the missionary problem (laughs) in the Arab world. But when I arrived there, I realized that God was not expecting my arrival in order to do something. He was reflourishing his church in the Middle East and the North Africa. And then I have discovered that that part of my calling was going to be coming alongside with these expressions of the body of Christ and together reaching out the, the 1.8 billion Muslims that are still unreached by the gospel. And it's been a wonderful adventure. I thought that I was coming to teach Arabs how to do things. And, and along the road, I've been discipled by many people like Afif Halasa, that, that has been a wonderful blessing in my journey on how I can be more fruitful living among Muslims. But that comes from a local believer that is telling a foreign missionary how to do things. <laughs> and I love it. And I love it. The, the, the church of the Lord is is coming back in the Arab world. Maybe in small expressions in some parts of the North Africa region where the gospel almost disappeared in the seventh century, or God has been revitalizing the Christian expressions of the church in the Middle East where where Christianity never disappeared, and and now the Holy Spirit is revisiting them and giving, giving them boldness and courage in order to reach out the majority people. Hmm. So how have you seen uh, the Christian church in the Arab world reaching, expressing that boldness and that courage? Well, 
I, uh, when we talk about boldness, we have to talk about what the Lord is doing. Number one, uh, when they have access to the Word of, of God, the Word of God is, is, is speaking by itself. So one of the most important things that everybody is doing is just giving the scriptures to, to this community of new believers and, and walking alongside with them, discovering who Jesus is. That's number one. Number two, Jesus himself is, is revealing, revealing to them through signs and wonders. Sometimes we in the West have our theologies believing that, that, that certain manifestations ends uh, during the first century. But what can I tell to somebody that after reading the scripture says that Jesus came to my room and told me, be bold. So, and then these th this kind of things are happening and that's how this situation is becoming a reality. And number three, what, what we are doing the locals, the indigenous workers, and some of us, I am Latin American for the grace of the Lord, um, living out with them is, is in, in some regards, guiding and helping this community, communities of, of sometimes isolated believers to, to trust themselves in order to create family, in order to create mutuality, in order to create church. And when that happened, the church began to grow. That's great. Now, you mentioned signs and wonders and dreams. And that really intrigues me because we don't experience that in the West. Can you tell me a story of mm -hmm. Jesus appearing to someone in a dream? Yeah, I'd love to do it. Um, uh, yesterday, when, when we were together, I, I was remembering my good friend, and I'm going to call him Abdallah. So... I was with my wife visiting a new believers retreat somewhere in Morocco. Uh, I was invited to be sharing about some of the books of the New Testament, uh, leading a group of local people, local leaders, trying to guide this new group of former Muslims, now disciples of Jesus. Well, we got there, and immediately I realized that they were, they were not afraid to, to tell the community that they were a group of disciples of Jesus worshiping his name. So they were not hiding themselves. So when we began the process of discipleship, I realized that among this group of almost 40, 50 new believers, there was one fellow that wasn't come from Morocco. He comes from a country called Tunisia. And that really intrigues me. What are you doing here? And what's your name? I said, well, my name is Abdallah. I am from Tunis. And I said, yes, but Tunis is two countries from, from here. Uh, what happened? How do you find Jesus? And then he said, I grew up in a very Muslim household. My parents told me, be careful with the kafirs, the infidels. And Christians are the infidels. By the way, sometimes they don't distinguish between Lady Gaga and the Pope. For, for them, all of them are kafirs. So, and then I grew up with this, this sense that be careful with the Christians. 
and because they are pagans and they have changed the scriptures. Muslims believe in, 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 in the law of Moses, in Psalms, in, in the prophets, and in the New Testament, the Injil of Jesus, but they believe that we have changed the scriptures. So he grew up uh, hearing these kind of stories, but as soon as he turned 18, he was like crazy trying to find a New Testament. And he thought, where I can find a New Testament? So, uh, and then he said, well, I'm, I'm going to find a foreigner because everybody knows that foreigners are missionaries, which destroy our James Bond 007 strategies that sometimes we have as foreign missionaries. So this American foreigner gave him a New Testament in Arabic. He wrote to his university dorm. He was living with two other guys. So he wrote to his room shut the door and began to read the New Testament 100 times during the whole day. One, two, three. And he was just from Matthew to Revelation, reading and reading. By the end of the day, suddenly, he thought, oh my God, Jesus is the Son of God. And, she, and, and, and Jesus is my Savior. What I'm going to do with this? And he was trembling. So, uh, trembling because the consequences with, with the university, with his family, or, or with, with the Tunisian society. So, he got, he got tired and lay down and fell asleep with, with, with his New Testament. In the middle of the night, he woke up wanting to go to the bathroom, like everybody does. So, and then he said, I sat down in my bed my bed was right at the window of my of my dorm room, and when I was uh, when I was there sitting down thinking in the whole thing that happened to me that day, I felt something in my back, and then I turned my eyes to the window, and Anna, you have no idea what happened. And I said, What happened? You have no idea. I don't know if I I want to tell you. No, no, please tell me. But I don't know. Please tell me. <laughs> and then he said. Isa al-Masih, Jesus the Messiah, was there right at the window. And I said, what does he say? What did he say? And then he told me, Abdallah, I am who I am. Don't be afraid. You just follow me. I am who I am. Don't be afraid. You just follow me and disappear. And I, I, and I have peace. The day after, I woke up and, 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 and without thinking in the consequences, I told to my two roommates what happened, that I was reading the Injil, the New Testament, and that during the night, Jesus, that now I know is more than a prophet, was in my room and told me these three things. And Alan, we were discussing for a while, and then my two, room, my two roommates came to the kingdom that very same day. And I said, okay, that's amazing, but we are in Morocco and you are from Tunis. What are you doing here? And then, and then he told me, well, this is what happened. The three of us began to share our discovering about Jesus. And then suddenly we were three, and then we were six, and then we were 12, and then we were 20-something. And now we are about 75, 70-something university students following the Lordship of Jesus. And somebody told me that my, 
Moroccan Friends believers are pretty well organized with new believers. So I flew from Tunisia to Morocco in order to be trained by indigenous Moroccan new believers in how to disciple Muslim background believers in the way of the Lord. So as you may imagine, that really explode my mind that day, that I was witnessing one of these stories of somebody else that through his scriptures and through the presence of Jesus come to the kingdom and now 70-something students are following the Lord. Oh, that's amazing. That's great. But you mentioned something. You mentioned that there are consequences mm-hmm. for Muslims to follow Jesus. What are those consequences? Consequences among Muslims are uh, is, is a continuum that go that goes from social rejection and goes till losing your life, and and that continuum depends on the country. In Saudi Arabia, if you come to the kingdom, you you might be lose your life. In Tunisia, you are going to lose your family, which is almost dying. Losing your family, losing job, losing job opportunities, or losing uh, educational um, opportunities, opportunities as well, or persecution, or to be beaten, or you know what they understand is that when they say yes to Jesus, they are going to lose something. They are going to lose maybe their families. They are going to lose maybe their jobs or educations, their status in their community, and let's say footnote, for, for this kind of cultures, the, the sense of community is absolutely important. Muslims call this Ummah, U-M-M-A. And, and when you are a Muslim, you're part of the Ummah. When, when, when you left Islam, you are out of Ummah. That, that's why it's critical to have communities of faith close to these people. Because they really need, we really need communities of faith. And then the church is filling the gap that, that comes when you left the Ummah community. So summarizing, that goes from rejection to death. Mm. But what is true is that they are going to lose something. When they come to Jesus, they know what they are doing. And yet they count it worth, worth the while. Yeah, but they are coming. Yeah, I, I, I am, I, I am not tired to say that more Muslims have been coming to the kingdom of God during the last 30, 40 years than during the previous thousand years. The time for Muslims is now. Wow. Now you, you're from Latin America. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier that Latin American missionaries are coming to the Muslim world. That's not something that I'd ever thought about. So tell me a little bit about that. How does that work? Mm-hmm. Well, a historical note, very, very fast. Muslims live in Spain 800 years. Spanish has at least 4,000 words with Arabic roots. Now, when you are learning Arabic, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but it's full. Now I live in Valencia, and I can tell that many of the small towns surrounding the city of Valencia have Muslim names. Alboraya, Beni Kasim, mm. so, uh, Mislata, 
All of these names were Arabic names because they were living 800 years. Columbus came to America 500 years ago, but Muslims were in Spain 800 years. So they, they had a, a, a very profound, may I say, print in the Spanish culture. So the way that, that many of the Muslim Arabic families manage their families reminds you how Latin American families manage their families. Mm. So we, we have big families. Everybody helps everybody. Many people living on the, under, the, under the same roof. Uh, the way that they, that they manage time reminds you Latin America. Arabs and Latinos are horrible with the use of the time, but when Latinos and Arabs are, 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 are together, we don't care about timing. <laughs> so we just enjoy ourselves. The spiritual outlook, the, the understanding of the spiritual realms is pretty similar from the Latin American cultures and the Arabic cultures. And it's been, it's been a wonderful match. We, there's no perfection in, in this, in, in missions. But I, I have enjoyed to be Mr. Nobody in the Muslim world. Nobody knows where Costa Rica is in the Muslim world. I am not, I am not threatening anybody. Becoming from a country of just, just 51,000 square kilometers. So, or Argentinians with Leo Messi, the best football soccer player <laughs> in the world, or, or you have Brazilians with their music and their, 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 their food. A short story, we deployed a team in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, after the collapse of the Soviet Union, and surprise, surprise, we had a full house of Muslims, Uzbeki Muslims, wanting to learn Spanish. Why? I have no idea but we packed the school of Uzbekis. And later on, they were telling us, yes, we want to learn Spanish, but don't you want to share something about your music and culture? And, and, and we said, yes. So we were giving salsa music classes, merengue, Dominican, salsa from Puerto Rico, Dominican merengue, or samba from Brazil, or tango from Argentina, and we were preparing food and inviting them to prepare food with us. And I, I don't recall how many of them came to the kingdom enjoying a taco or a burrito. <laughs> so, and that, that was a wonderful mix. And for me, working with people like Afif Halassa from Jordan, is that kind of magic is very present. Last week I was in Jordan, in Amman, with, with Afif and Carlos Calderon, the Vice President of Partners, and we were together, we were laughing, we were praying, we were eating together, and we were having a wonderful time as brothers in Christ. Yes, there's some, there's some let me use the word magic, but it, it, it's a kingdom magic <laughs> that happens between these, these two uh, cultures. Kindred spirits, yes. definitely. There's a lot of kinship yes. between the two groups. Can you describe the, the kind of house church that AFTA plants? What's it look mm -hmm. like? What's it like to go into one of their meetings? Yeah, let me give you a quick definition and then I'm gonna describe how it works. In AFTA definition, a church is a group of at least five people that gathers regularly, that study the scriptures, is study the scriptures together, that exhort one another, 
and that shared their faith with others. And obviously baptize the new, the new believers. So that's the basic definition. So their people depends on the country because the, the, the Muslim work world is not, uh, do you have the word monolithic? Mm -hmm. Monolithic. And we have this idea that Indonesian Muslims, Moroccan Muslims, and Senegalese Muslims are the same. No way. Uh, uh, Islam is, it, it has different colors and tastes and expressions. They agree uh, on certain issues about Muhammad, about the Quran, and about other things, but they express their faith in a different way. After workers understand this really well. So then when they, when they are sharing their faith through Bible study groups or when they are sharing their faith, they rapidly gathered uh, these people for the Ummah concept that I shared before. These people needs community as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And in the after model, they are teaching their people to be, to be reproducing their new convictions with others. That's how we are having the numbers that we have with, with, with after is 13 hundred new believers just the last year and every year since I've been here is about 150 to 250 churches per year depends on the year so they have this second Timothy 2 to spirit that that is something that a fifth is is revisiting uh, very often with these uh, small communities of faith throughout the Muslim world that's amazing you mentioned earlier about the uh, consequences that Muslims face for coming to Christ. What about the risks for the church planters? Mm -hmm. Yes. One quick story. One of the leaders of After Tommy in Jordan once, Alan, if, if, if some kind of persecution began in Jordan, I know what's going to happen. You and your family are going to be rescued by the European Union. I am Costa Rican by birth, but I have a European passport. And then he told me, I know what's going to happen. You are going to run to your embassy. You are going to run to the airport. And, and your government is going to take you out of Jordan. But we have to stay here. So, well, there's, I can tell that after the season of ISIS, ISIS has been a terrible, a, a, a terrible, challenge for the church in the Middle East today. But now seems, and I want to I want to be careful with my words, but seems like the, that that the pressure of the government are back. And then you are hearing reports throughout the whole Arab world of the governments arresting believers, closing churches where there are churches, or suddenly sending commands of, of, of soldiers, of, of police people to house churches, um, taking Bibles, decomizing, I may say. And yes, there's a growing pressure everywhere in the Muslim world. Uh, I can tell that the church is growing. And, and, and any one of the Muslim governments wants to see that they are so friendly with the Christian community. Mm. And with evangelicals, evangelicals particularly, uh, you know, evangelicals have a conviction that we have, we have something to share. And that's a, a, a driving force. Uh, 
for Great Commission Christians. Mm. They have this. And, and after, after church planters and many believers in the other world, they have this, this driving force. And every time that they share the gospel, they are crossing an invisible line that are putting them on a growing level of risk. But I don't see any one of them, at least in the after family, saying, okay, let's stop because we are creating problems. No, they are finding ways to remain faithful. One last story. Afif Halasa told me a few years ago, he was in a, in a city in Iraq during the difficult years of ISIS. And this is a terrible story, but I'm going to share it, and maybe you decide it later on. <laughs> and, and one day I told Afif, can we have a cup of tea? And there's nothing more fun than having a, top, a cup of tea with Afif. But that day, he was, he was really, you know, he was, he was mourning, he was, he was sad. And I said, what's going on, brother? How was your trip uh, to this country? And then he said, Alan, you have no idea what I have seen. I, I interviewed a guy that used to live in a particular city in the Middle East where there has been some Christian tradition since the days of the apostles. ISIS uh, came to the city and, and, and the police was trying to, to, to give a warning to this family that ISIS was taking over the city. So they come to this particular family, they were knocking the door, and they told to the man of the house, run with your few belongings, your wife and your daughter, run. They are taking over the city, and they run. They, they did it. But sadly, Afif told me, right at the main door of the city, they were captured by an ISIS command. And they were abusing uh, his wife and his daughter, and they were forcing him to see the whole thing. Later on, they were pouring gasoline on these two ladies, and they burned them alive. Mm -hmm. And Afi was interviewing this guy, hearing the whole thing, and this and, and this person says, "Well, when, when they when they rape my beloved ones, when they kill my beloved one, my beloved ones, I thought, well, now's my turn." But these guys told me, no, no, we, we want to release you. We want to have you remembering what, what you have seen today. So, and by that time, Afif was, was in tears. And then, and for a while, he was, you know, he was angry, he was, he was crying. But my beloved Afif has a, a very strong kingdom mindset. And after... After a while, and I'm breathing, he told me, but nothing is going to stop my commitment to reach these people out with mm. the gospel of Jesus. I forgive them in the name of the Lord, and AFTA is going to do its best to reach even these guys. So for me, a Latino from the West, that kind of commitment is, is a real inspiration. You mentioned the West. How can we in the West, the American Church, Valley Community Baptist Church, mm -hmm. how can we support the work that Afif is doing? Yeah. Three areas, and let me begin with the most important, that sometimes in the West, including Latinos, uh, not, not, not give enough value. Prayer. Mm -hmm. We have to pray for protection. We have to pray for grace. 
we we have to pray for resources we have to pray for or for that that even if they are going to give their lives for the sake of christ that they might be ready for the last price mm -hmm. so prayer please pray um that makes a fundamental difference in the whole thing mm -hmm. number two uh, you have been a very generous church on financial resources and because i am not a fifth halasa i'm gonna say please keep doing it <laughs> you play a wonderful and beautiful role in the life of 127 church planters and in the life of a wonderful leader and his family so thank you very much for your support and thirdly when we plan well when we work under the leadership of the local indigenous people certain kind of short-term experiences of people from the West coming to the field could fit well with their activities mm -hmm. in their agenda and in their way to do things. When we are able to do it in that way, it, it, it's just a perfect match. And we can express the, the different colors and nuances of the body of Christ before the larger Muslim community. Please pray, please give, please come. Excellent. And on that note, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Thank you so much for your time. This has been great. My joy. Father, I lift up the ministry of um, Alan with Partners and, with, and Afif with AFTA. Lord God, I pray that you would give them your Holy Spirit wisdom, Father, for the ministry that you have given them to do, that they may bring the harvest in, Lord Oh, we want to see your harvest brought in. Lord, bring the workers to bring in that harvest. Bring the resources to bring in the harvest. Bring the resources to train and disciple believers. Lord, I pray that your church in the Middle East would just, would explode, would be Amen. strong, Lord God. Lord, would reclaim its, um, its historic legacy, Father. Oh, my goodness. Yes, Lord God. Um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that even when an area of the world turns its back on you, you do not turn your back. Thank you, Father, that all the hostilities that are expressed towards your kingdom and your church don't daunt you, and they don't stop you. And, Lord, I pray that you would continue to just... To, to bless the work of a thief. Lord God, bless him personally, bless his family, bless his ministry, Father, that they may continue to elevate your name, spread your kingdom, please you, and edify the body. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Muchas gracias. Más al for listening to this special World Outreach episode of the Valley Avon podcast. I hope you were inspired to hear about what our missionaries are doing around the world. If you'd like to support our missionaries through prayer or financial support, please go to the Valley Outreach page on our website or use the link in the podcast description. Thank you for listening and have a great day.